The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers. Gratitude goes out to you today for listening to Eco Radio KC on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. This is a locally made exploration into positive solutions to some of today's ecological challenges for all of us working to create a healthier future for our communities and for the world you live in. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. My name is Darnell. Today hosts Richard Mabian and Rich Gutowski and their guests, Dr. Pamela Talley and Karan Gupta, move forward with the second step of designing the caliber of strategy needed to provide job training and workforce development in the low-income portion of the population. Dr. Pamela Talley is from St. Louis, Missouri. She is a member of the EPA's National Environmental Justice Justice Advisory Council team from Region 7. She is Executive Director of Lewis Place Historical Preservation Incorporated. Lewis Place, the oldest African-American private street in St. Louis, Missouri, is a quiet, stately neighborhood just north of the Central West End. In 2001, a group of determined residents formed Lewis Place Historic Preservation, Inc. Now, gardens abound in the neighborhood, and many of the stately homes have regained their old polish. The grounds of the Central Parkway undergo annual revitalization, and neighbors gather there every September for the Lewis Place reunion and barbecue. Karin Gupta is a contractor from Kansas City, Kansas, and he is concentrating on restoring the land bank property in low-income neighborhoods. Richard and Rich understand that climate Climate change requires homeowners to retrofit their homes so that people can live comfortably in extreme heat and extreme cold. Otherwise, the cost of utilities is more oppressive to people than the temperature. What is more, if training and skilled job opportunities can occur in low-income neighborhoods, we will have done improvements for all times. We at Eco Radio KC are glad to encourage awareness and protection of our world. Our goal is to assure our listeners are aware of how we can create a sustainable present for a sustainable future. This will be a great radio hour. Now our show. Shout for the Chiefs. Uh, that was an unbelievable weekend we just had. So, uh, for all of you Chief fans out there, I just want you to know that we got our fists behind you, too. Uh, there's a lot going on. The weather's just ridiculous. Uh, going from this to that, I hear it's going to be a heck of a weekend this Saturday. So, we just prepare ourselves and get ready for it and, uh, and go Chiefs, okay? Um, the last time I was on, we started the process or the steps needed to to build this program, the retrofitting program that we want to try to establish in four individual cities. So what we're doing is bringing in various parts of the package we're trying to put together to hear from people who are directly involved in this kind of service already on what it is they're doing, what put them in the position to do it. And before this show is over, we'll even have some comments from them about the good, bad, and uglies of what they're doing. And that's necessary. So when we sit out at the table with our total group and we're doing our strategy planning, we can take into consideration what we've been learning from them. Last week we had, the last show I was on, we had a father and son on who are the world's greatest as far as uh, 
the this the retrofitting industry is concerned. In fact, the father was living in a house with, when we had a twenty degree chill factors, and they didn't have any heat. And what they was doing, he and his son was figuring out ways you can go in and the things you can do to completely cut off your home from the grid and be able to survive. I mean, he didn't have no heat, man, man. And they had done things to make it happen. It was a great show. And then they talked about the various things that's available for you to do it. Tonight, this I am so excited about this show for many reasons. Well, I have two people on here along with my friend Rick. How you doing, Rick? Where he he's on he's got his mic turned off. You got your mic turned off. Oh, I'm sorry yeah, about that. Good to be here, Richard. Thanks it's when your introduction. I'm just streaming you a shout out. You've been a busy yes. boy here. Um and um and, and and when I you know I got elected selected to to join the uh, to become a NEJAC member, National uh, uh, Environmental Justice Advisory Council, and I've actually been to two or three meetings. I got a face to face. I'm just really excited about it. Well, the when I got one of the members, uh, current members was a, a a representative from St. Louis, Region Seven. And when we met and got to talk and come to find out the things that we're sitting here getting ready to talk about right now, she is actively engaged in doing these kind of things in St. Louis. So that was a must. As soon as it came out of her mouth, she became a must to be a member of a panel with me or a show with me somewhere talking about it. I'm going to introduce her. Her name is Dr. Pamela Talley. Doctor, would you please introduce yourself there? Thank you, Richard. Yes, I am Pamela Talley. I'm from St. Louis. I am a NEJAC uh, member for three years. Um, I've been very active in fighting the fight here in St. Louis around these environmental justice issues. So I know yeah. that's right. I'm looking for y'all. I'm just smiling. I mean, I, I, I'll before the show's over, I'll share with you why. Then my next, the next guest is mine. I don't care what he said. He is mine. He's been with me since this whole vision became a factor. Uh, Karan, you want to say hello, buddy? Hey, thanks, Richard. Uh, good to be here. Uh, my name is Karan Gupta. Um, I am currently based in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, but previously uh, in Kansas City, Kansas. I have every intention of coming back. Um, I've got a background in economics and environmental management, uh, work experience in the utility industry, currently working as a project manager for a general contractor, building custom single-family energy-efficient homes. Um, and looking forward to sharing more of uh, what we're working on in Kansas City with y'all. Hey, very good. I mean, this guy, first of all, he's a young boy. I mean, I don't even know how old he is. I think he's in his 30s. If he's not, I'm going to act like he is. And for what we're trying to do in America, that is the perfect age for us to be reaching and working with to be able to do what we're doing out here in the neighborhoods. I'm not taking anything away from us old folks because God has blessed us in such a way that we're able to provide people like Koran with the kind of leadership they need to be able to go out there and get motivated and do what they're doing. Okay, that's the end of my sermon. Okay, so here we go. We're going to go down the line, and Rick, I'm going to turn it over to you, and I want you to start by first of all telling people what you're doing, and then I want you to start shooting your questions to whoever, Okay. Oh, I didn't realize that'd be the question shooter, Richard. Oh, yeah, you the question. I'm in the background here, as always, hovering around, but still. So my name's Rich Gutowski. My my home city is Patterson, New Jersey. It's about 12 miles outside of New York City. And we're working on a four-city, so far four-city, sort of proof of concept that we could build an alternative ecosystem based on the latest social science theory and also the latest um, change management theory from from business. And the reason we think that's important is that there's no way we can meet the 2030 and 2050 goals in a global economy. So we're looking forward and we're seeing, hey, you know, this this uh, this idea of, of manufacturing things in China and shipping them all the way across the ocean into the United States 
it's going to have to go away for many reasons, not only because it's carbon inefficient, but because uh, all of the geopolitical conflict that's out there right now is, is making it a national defense priority that we do that. So if we know that we have to um, learn to grow, make, buy, um, and, you know, and, uh, and learn everything we need to do uh, within about an hour, hour and a half of where we live, we're looking forward. And we think that that's the future. So it took us 50 years, 60 years to get where we are today to this global economy. Hopefully it won't take us quite as long to get back to to uh, being able to make things locally. So so the, the, the proof of concept is, you know, can this work? Can we, can we create an alternative ecosystem in our communities the way that they do it in big corporations to change the culture of big corporations and um, combine it with social sciences agile which just means working with people who are ready to work with you uh place-based which means it's all about the particular context of a particular community and uh, cross-sector which you know most people think of cross-sector as just for-profit not-for-profit government but we expand it for us cross-sector means schools uh, um, the faith community families and then non-profits for-profits in government and and Social science theory says there's no way that we can change all the things that we need to change and really move the needle on some of these nagging social issues unless we work together. But nobody's quite figured out how to do that yet. So um, within the context of that model, we need to return ownership of local productive assets and local real assets to the people who live in the community because right now most of those things are owned by people that live outside the community. So in support of this local ecosystem, we're using a public benefit corporation model where there's a profit sharing plan so that all the employees, um, you know, they might receive a 401k plan, which most people are familiar with the retirement plan. But what we wanna do is innovate this idea of a social individual social impact investment account that they would be able to control themselves and, but it would be limited to investing in the local generative economy so that we can tr- transition uh, ownership back to the people that live in the community. Because listen, there's entrepreneurs out there in the community, but you can't go into a bank and get money for a lot of them. But if we equip a lot of the, the local people with individual impact investment accounts, we will make social capital visible so that, you know, I'll say my friends in the suburbs who want, who have money to invest or money to give, instead of having to go through this very cumbersome grant process, which most people don't want to engage in, um, you can see social capital by the people in the community who know people in the community who are willing to invest in local people. So rather than go through a grant process, just provide matching grants. If your friends and neighbors are willing to invest in you, odds are you're a good bet. So, um, Richard, I don't know where you want to go. That's Quite good. That's that, that's yeah. good right there. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, um, but not knowing. Terry, for Terry, not just, held, Terry just held up the uh, oh. the, uh, the the my five minutes sign, letting me know yeah. that's how much time we got before we go off. So what I'm gonna do now? I'm gonna slip over to. I'm gonna hold you up, Pamela, and bring you back in after we take our break. And I'm gonna bring Koran in because I want him to explain his philosophical point of view and what he was in the process of trying to establish in cancer to cancer. Can you do that, Grant? I didn't talk, that, 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 that involves the, the competition, the whole bit, okay? All right, sir. I'm gonna do my best to do it in a little under five minutes here. That's all, um, that's all right, we got the rest of the show. That'll get you started. All right, sounds good. Let's see what we can get covered. Um, so you know there's there's a number of factors kind of coming together um that we're trying to address uh with this project and let me just give you a little background on it first um this kind of came together in my head during covid uh i'd recently left my previous job and was looking for ways to take my knowledge and skills and apply them to try to do something at a local scale and you know everything rich just described there is um completely in line with what my thinking was at that time so really trying to figure out you know how can we have the greatest impact right here in our community uh and this was you know wealth building through um home building so the idea is uh, we've got this land bank what that is is 
city-owned lots that are currently vacant. Um, there are existing homes on some of these uh, land bank lots as well, but the ones I'm speaking about specifically are vacant lots. And the idea is that the city sells them for cheap. Uh, last I checked was $100. I think that might be down to $1 now. Um, and the, what you have to do to get one is you basically apply for it and you get an option. And you have one year to exercise the option. And in that year, what you have to do is you have to produce construction drawings, uh, get a building permit, a construction estimate, and proof of funds to cover that construction estimate to fill that house. And then from the time that the deed is given to you, you have another year to start construction. So where I am right now is I have until April 28th of this year um, to come with a building permit and all those other things I told you about. I've applied, I've received an option on a lot here in Kansas City, Kansas. And my plan is to come back to build a prototype home as a proof of concept for what we're trying to do. Um, so what we're trying to do is build uh, lower cost housing that is sustainable. And let me talk, talk a little bit about my levers for controlling cost here, because the challenge we have in Kansas City, Kansas, is that um, the comps are very low. And what I mean by that is when you go apply for a construction loan, the bank is going to say, what is it you're trying to build? And you say, okay, I want to do a three-bedroom, two-story house, call it a 1,600 square foot. And they'll say, okay, what's a similar property in the neighborhood? And they'll go find a few similar ones, and those are called comps. And they'll see what is the market value of those homes. And the reality is right now in that market, the value of those comps is low. Um, so to get a construction loan to actually be able to build something, you have to be able to get your construction cost in line with that. And, you know, I'm not going to proclaim to be an expert here. Um, I am kind of a uh, doing an experiment and I'm getting ready. I'm in the design process right now. I was just speaking with my architect a couple hours ago and we're going to build a prototype and I'm going to see what it's going to cost. And it's going to be my own personal home. Um, so I'm basically taking on the risk here to see what's going to happen. Now the three levers by which I am aiming to control my cost. Is, can I get you to hold? Can I get you to hold up a second? Absolutely. We got about a minute before we need to take a break, but I'm gonna pick back up on you when we come back. Perfect, Pamela. I'm gonna come back over to you. I'll give a little feed in on what I want to want to say about what you've said so far, Karen. When we get back, this is Richard Mabian. We at KKFI in Kansas City, Kansas. We'll be back with you in a minute. Hi, this is Daryl Oliver, Volunteer Coordinator at KKFI. Our phone drive will be starting soon and we need volunteers for our phone bank. You can participate remotely or by coming into the station. All phone bank volunteers must be comfortable talking to donors on the phone and entering pledges on the computer. In addition, remote phone bank volunteers will need a reliable internet connection and a computer with a microphone and speakers. Sign up for a shift today at kkfi.org slash phone bank or contact me at 816-994-786. If you or someone you know is suffering from thoughts of suicide, you can dial the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988 or go to 988lifeline.org. This is a public service announcement of 90.1 FM KKFI. Here's a calendar for the week of 123-23. Registration has begun for Paddle Mo to support the Missouri Stream Team Watershed Coalition. Go to paddlemo.org. Tuesday, January 24th, 6 p.m., the Resilient Activist Monthly Virtual Climate Cafe features the presentation, What an Ecological Civilization Looks Like. January's presenter, David Mitchell, is a volunteer with a variety of environmental groups. Climate cafes are a gathering of people meeting with facilitators to share their responses to the climate crisis, a thinking and feeling space. Learn more and register at theresilientactivist.org. Saturday, January 28th, 10 a.m., Winter Beauty, Native Plants Webinar. You can join Sydney Ross, 
Native Landscape Specialist with the Missouri Department of Conservation for a virtual exploration on native plants in winter. Ross will discuss native plants that would do well in winter and provide important food and shelter for birds and other animals. To register, visit mdc.mo.gov. Saturday, January 28th. 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Seed and Plant Swap. Start planting your garden now at the annual Seed and Plant Swap and share seeds, bulbs, and plants with other gardeners. Hosted by Seed Savers KC, the swap will be held at Danita B. Gorman Conservation Discovery Center, 4750 Troost Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri. New gardeners are encouraged to attend. For more information, visit the event Facebook listing. Sunday, January 29, 9.15 a.m., Earth Care Forum Series 2023, open to all at First Presbyterian Church, 2415 Clinton Parkway, Lawrence, Kansas. Recordings can be found on YouTube. Monday, January 30th, 9.30 to 10.30 a.m., you can join Kansas City Parks and Rec or Make a Difference Mondays. Paseo Boulevard Litter Cleanups. The community is invited to help tackle litter on the boulevard. Bags and gloves will be provided. It's recommended to wear bright colors, sturdy shoes, and bring a water bottle. Go to kcparks.org for more information. Stay involved. My name is Phil Bauer. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. All right, this is Rich Mabian. I'm back again. Uh, we're having a show talking about how we can design a strategy to put together a, a retrofitting neighborhood business that literally provides the necessary training skill, training needed. I mean, I didn't say this before, but keep in mind, every home in America and building needs to be retrofitted as far as energy efficiency is concerned. And what I'm trying to do, or what Rick and I are trying to put this business together for, is to be able to use those jobs for the people who live in the affected area. Our homes in our inner city, if they're not 100 years old, they're 85 plus, so they are very bad need of having some retrofitting work being done. So that's what we're in the process of building a strategy to design. Tonight we have two people on, Coran, who's currently speaking, and then Pamela, who will be on next, who are already actively engaged in making steps towards reaching those kinds of properties. So we're hearing from real life people about the circumstances that they're currently facing. Go ahead, Grand, get me finished up there with if you would. Yeah, you got it. So I was just talking about uh, three levers to control cost on new construction on uh, vacant lots in Kansas City, Kansas. And just real quick, um, what I'm describing right now is phase one of a bigger project. Uh, and I hope we'll get to get into some of the other phases in a moment here. Yeah. Um, but uh, so those three levers, the first was uh, land cost. So that again was through the land bank access to low cost land. The second lever is uh, pre-approved building plans. This is something I'm working on right now, and this is where the design competition comes in. Uh, what I was putting together was a design competition to be issued to design homes that fit on these lots. Uh, the unified government has prioritized narrow lots. That's lots with frontage of 50 foot or less. Um, so that kind of further constrains what we're able to do there's a document called the Narrow Lot Design Guidelines uh, that dictates uh, some of the functionality and the aesthetics of those types of houses. Um, in addition, I was aiming to make these passive house certified. Um, and uh, the design competition was going to have a variety of criteria that were a part of it. A FEMA safe room is one of the requirements as we're in tornado zone. Um, so the idea was that if we could put together designs that meet all of the criteria of the design competition, uh, as of two years ago, I was in conversation with the unified government uh, to come up with some kind of a plan for pre-approval of qualifying designs. I need to get back in touch with them to follow up on that. But assuming that that is something that we can arrange, the designs that would come out of this competition could be pre-approved for construction. So now we would have a portfolio 
of approved designs. That streamlines and accelerates our permitting and approval process. And then the third lever would be prefabrication. Um, building prefabrication reduces your construction time, it reduces construction waste. Uh, it can result in improved quality. And again, if we have these pre-approved designs where we're doing repeats of the same design over and over, um, and it's a simple uh, kind of a relatively rectangular design, it lends itself really well to prefabrication. So with those three levers, my goal was to get my costs low enough that we can be competitive in the KCK market and get construction loans in line with the comps and start developing some of these properties that are not only low cost, but also much, much higher quality than what we're used to seeing with conventional construction. Uh, so again, the design competition, that's really the crux of this. And um, uh, yes, yeah, that's, that's where I'll leave it. Uh, Y'all can understand why this young man is very special to me. Uh, just like you're getting ready to hear now why this young lady getting ready to speak is also very special to me. So Pamela, now I put the ball in your park. Take it away. Well, well, thank you for this opportunity, because as I was listening to Karan, I want to say we may just be a few steps ahead of you, uh, because I live in an area in St. Louis where there's just an awful lot of vacant property. And um, maybe in, so in, in 2000, a group of neighbors, we formed a housing and community development corp, a not-for-profit, basically to save our community and to keep housing affordable and on and on. Um, in, I guess it was 2009 or 10, we uh, purchased, well, we started leasing our first lot for a community garden. So we have a beautiful, productive community garden that a number of the neighbors work in. We don't sell anything, but you know, make fresh vegetables and fruit. Now we have several fruit trees, you know, available to uh, to the community. We in 2014, I think we got our first house, LRA house. At that time, LRA property was cheap. Land, you know, the land banking property was cheap it was about 500 bucks right now we have an option on three lots uh right behind my house and they're asking 2500 i still i think it's too much i think it's outrageous it may not be but it, it's outrageous to me uh we made an offer last year for a thousand dollars on the lots the city rejected our thousand dollars so it may end up in order to get these lots we're gonna have to pay this 2500 dollars but um so we have done, we've completed two houses and have actually sold them. Uh, we have a third house from the city LRA house that, you know, we will, we hope to be able to finance and, and, and we have. Um, and then we've bought two houses from um, owners, really, really cheap, not in as bad a shape as the LRA houses, the but um, so they won't require as much, but again, we can do the rehab and we can, you know, get those houses back on the market. So we do landscaping um, and these are all people in the community. The, the folks we get to work on these, it, you know, in the landscaping job and the community garden, you know, they can walk to their job, you know, and they do get paid. Um, uh, we actually also last year, um, did get a grant from a senior fund and we did a light, we called it the light bulb project. And so we completed about, I guess, 28 houses where we converted all of the old light bulbs to LED daytime light bulbs. And they did absolutely, uh, replace a couple a couple of houses they replaced the the fixtures but we're all under tube and knob everything you're right Richard needs to be retrofitted we're looking at yes. that uh, we are looking at doing some community solar versus uh, individual people having solar um, 
So yeah, that's that's yeah, what we're doing, and it's all a fight. It is not easy. We do work right. very closely with the um, an architect who has um, who has done historic designs, and um, and who's very you know we work very closely with an architect. And when we initially started this, um, I had some some people that I grew up with and and had gone to school with and grew up with. Their dad put them in the business and they started doing rehabs 40 years ago. So uh, I knew that we were gonna need my friends over here. I needed somebody that knew their way around. So I went and got my friends who have built houses from the ground up and rehabbed houses and they have a excellent reputation. So uh, they have partnered with our nonprofit and we're just, you know, but it still isn't easy. Right. So, right. Yeah. No, but it, but but it is ideal and exactly the reason that has us doing what we're doing. Okay, Rick, you didn't heard it, so where we where are you going? So, you know, we hear the term workforce development all the time, right? Everybody knows what that is. But what I really think we need and what we is not talked about enough, and this is where Richard, I think your history is very, very special. It's in workplace development because we can train folks up in the inner city and as soon as I bring them out to my suburban friends they don't stay there my suburban friends blame my workers and I'm like no dude it's your workplace that's the problem you're robbing people of dignity and you don't treat them with respect and um, you know there's a culture clash in a way so what I what I was so encouraged uh, when I first met you, Richard, was the story you had about your janitorial company, where you create, you paid three times minimum wage, so you obviously made less money, but you still did well. But you had, you know, three hundred people go through your company, and only two of them fell out and back into, you know, less desirable <laughs> careers. I'll, I'll leave it at that. So I think we need to focus as much on building supportive workplaces. And I'm not a social scientist, but in talking to my friends in Patterson, I think if we could build a supportive workplace, we it would be a more efficient way to deliver social services, mental health, and education. Then if we just think about creating jobs, I think we miss the mark. And when you when you take, if you can run it like a real business, and Richard, you did it. You paid three times minimum wage, and you had plenty of work. And I did something similar with another business, and I, treating people right, gave me a competitive advantage. And so we prioritized people's family and work-life balance, and we proved you can compete with traditional economy companies who are maximizing shareholder value instead of maximizing social impact. Um, by having these traditional, uh, you know, uh, sectors of the economy, uh, housing, infrastructure, distribution, manufacturing, food production, all those things that you need to just live. If we created those companies where we were delivering um, social services and education and mental health and supportive work environments, I think that alternative ecosystem itself could be transformative. And apparently enough people are starting to believe us that they're coming around funding these for this four city project or maybe Pamela five. <laughs> maybe we can steal her over to our cities. Well, we got like three minutes here before we got to take our next break. Yes. This, we, this, the time goes by fast when you're really uh, uh, having fun. You know, that's the way yeah. it goes. But what, what I've sat here and heard and since, since you three have been talking one, Rick, that's why I love the man so much, paints a type of motivation that will cause that low-income person to be excited about getting up going to work because they're not working for Mr. Man anymore. Now they're working for themselves. Now they are be, they're talking about your, it's your employment, your business, your money. This, 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 this um, B Corporation, the, the, the creating a, a, a business where you invest the money that you're making 
back into the community. I mean, he likes people that's working to create their own credit union. I mean, he has all these things that I hear him talking to his people yeah. about that just blows me out because of like what Pamela was saying about the money necessary to go do what they want to do could be being made by the people who live in the community. That's what we need to be able to go. And then to hear Koran come in and say what Rick was saying was close to what he's been thinking and seeing being done just shows how this is God is putting this together like hand in glove. You three don't even know each other. All y'all know is old mouth running Richard. But at the same time, each one of you have an ingredient that can make this package work. So we got one minute. We're only going to only have a two-minute break. We'll be back on. And then we go kick this in the behind as we take it out of here. Thanks again. This is Richard Mavia. We at KKFI.org. Thank be back in a few. Support for KKFI by City Year Kansas City. As an education equity nonprofit, City Year works inside Kansas City Public Schools, supporting students emotionally and academically so that they can thrive inside and outside of the classroom. To learn more about City Year's service and open positions, visit cityyear.org. Hello, this is Joseph Jackson. Join me on Caltown Conversations where we will discuss matters that impact your life as a resident of the Kansas City metropolitan area. Every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. right after Democracy Now! I'm Dr. Anthony Lizowitz, and this is Climate Connections. As the climate warms, many schools are facing more frequent hot days. And extreme heat is not just a nuisance. It can hinder learning and make kids sick. When you think about kids being outside in the playground running around, if they're dehydrated before they even start running around, they could get seriously ill. That's Melissa Guadaro, an assistant research professor at Arizona State University. She says schools often lack a formal approach to deal with the threat. So she's part of a project started by one of her graduate students to change that. Called Heat Ready Schools, it identifies a set of best practices schools can follow to prepare for and respond to extreme heat. For example, making sure that at least 50% of a playground is shaded. So that's not just a blacktop playground and kids are just roasting out there. The program suggests that schools provide reusable water bottles so kids can stay hydrated and schedule outdoor activities when it's not as hot. Other recommendations include training teachers and staff to recognize the signs of heat-related illness and monitoring students for symptoms. By encouraging schools to prioritize heat safety, the program aims to protect kids as the climate warms. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. All right, this is Richard Maybe, and I'm back again. This is the final final part of our show. And, you know, I've been, I was so excited about having this show, the things I was supposed to do with my guests. I really didn't even do it. I didn't tell them that we have three sections, and I didn't tell them the first one was introduction, and the second one is the, the meat of what you do. But being walking, since angels lead and guide me, it happened automatically. And, and, and that's exactly what we give you. Well, the third part is what do you envision you doing from here? Pamela, we're going to start with you. You, I, I love what you're doing. I mean, you know, I, I don't have the time to put the emphasis on what that community organizing is. People, we don't have community organizers anymore. We got activists. You know, they live next door to each other. They won't even know what the heck the other one's doing. We, what you have done there is since 2000, early 2000, created a community-based organizing group from within. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so beautiful. So now, just, you know, we got we got something like 15 minutes here, so I'll, I, I'll, I'll give you each... Uh, so many minutes apiece. Can't give you five apiece, but I'll give you so many minutes to just... What is it that you envision you being able to accomplish? With? So I want to say that has included being able to purchase these houses. We've chipped in our money yes, and we've made that happen. Yes. Okay. The landscaping, we figured out, you know, we, we were able to contract with a, a professional landscaper 
who came in because, you know, just teaching these cats how to use a lawnmower, these young men and women, without any training, you know, they had to learn how to do a professional job. So, uh, and, and again, after a year under working with this guy, they were able to move on. And a number of these folks were able to start their own businesses or go get a job and do some other things. But so, I mean, we don't wait. It's like with the three lots, you know, we won't wait. We are, we're, we'll get the lots that we know we have to maintain the lots. We actually have a, um, a company in Louisiana uh, an investment group of females, uh, women, primarily women. They have been up here to see what we're doing. They're excited. So uh, we we will get the financing uh, for the three homes, uh, the new houses from them. Uh, they will be prefabbed. We're looking at about 1,600 square feet uh, for that. So, I mean, we, we are doing, you know, juggling a lot of balls, juggling really a lot are. of balls, work with a real estate broker who has an office here in the neighborhood. So, so that is also helpful. Uh, have a engineer who retired St. Louis city public schools. He's our facilities person. So he's moving around and doing these things. We have, you know, I mean, we just have neighbors who over time, Yes. have uh came in and we're making it happen and then with the young the other the guys that you talked about who may have had a set or have a substance abuse issue or alcohol problem that we've had on the jobs you know our monthly not monthly our weekly meetings with them because if they go to the drug house in the community and the people know that they work for us we're going to know yes. that they're at the drug they're at the drug house so you know they can't have beef with anybody in the neighborhood and keep a job you know, because we're going to hear about it. So it's those kinds of checks and balances that have made some of this successful. Now, it hasn't been without a struggle, but uh, it hasn't, you know, it's been well worth it. So, Well, I guarantee you, you have added some tremendous information for me and my buddy up there, my partner. When we're working on a design about things we need to take into consideration, and we have now some real life ex examples past me. You notice when he talks, he talks about his examples for me, because that's really all he's really had to go with, with someone who has done what you're doing and did it in such a way that there was success with people. You know, they got dignity back. They wasn't somebody's boy. They wasn't getting a job with redneck supervisors and all that kind of crap that is destroying us from within. And so consequently, generationally, the people in their family are starting to see some spark in life. They got a little hope. All right, Karan, come to you, buddy. It's just like with her. There's so much. Oh man, yeah, he's saying to you and having this car—it just shows how much he and I used to go to breakfast at the Holiday Inn. <laughs> We'd sit out and boy, we would get deep into the conversation. Come on, buddy, what what, what do you see happening from where we where you are now? Yeah, I'll start off by saying we're gonna have to do this again sometime because uh, there's just so much more to cover. But real quick, so my plan is I'm working on getting this um, prototype uh, permitted, aiming to get that done by April. In April 2024, I'm hoping to break ground and start construction on this prototype that'll be my personal home. But in parallel, I will be putting together the RFP for the design competition, getting that issued, and trying to create that portfolio of designs that I mentioned earlier. Um, I have a second option on another land bank lot. And on that one, the goal is to procure financing to build a second prototype, which will be the winner of that design competition. Um, and the point of all of this, uh, creating that competition, creating those designs, and using that land bank land, essentially is to build out the demand side. You know, I've worked on the supply side. Uh, I've worked in building prefabrication, you know, developing, building components, uh, delivering completed homes, uh, you know, talking with you, talking about the workforce development. That's on the supply side. On the flip of that, we have to build out the demand side so that as we train up these guys, as we build these homes, uh, there's somewhere for it to go. You know, we have projects for those um, young men and women to work on. Uh, we have buyers for these homes because we've been able to get the cost low enough. Uh, and then ultimately the idea is to take the RFP for that design competition, make it open source and say anybody in any city
can replicate this and you can modify the parameters for your own specific geographic needs. You can do it for single family, you can do it for townhomes, you can do it for multifamily um, and basically scale this thing up, replicate it across different cities and you know start building out the supply chain as you build out the demand. Uh, so it's going to be um, building materials, it's going to be building prefabrication, it's going to be the workforce development. Uh, and that's what I was saying that well, everything I've gotten a chance to talk about so far was phase one, but the phase two is where it really gets exciting. And ultimately, the big thing is kind of what some of what Rich was talking about, uh, the wealth building, where that comes in is looking for new uh, financing mechanisms for ownership of these homes. You know, not everyone can just go to a bank and get a loan. Um, so there's different structures out there. There's co-ops. I want to talk about uh, crowdfunding opportunities for this. Um, you know, there's a tool called a real estate investment trust, but that's not really something that's accessible for the average person. So kind of developing some new uh, financing structures that allow the average person at low cost to get some equity in these, because ultimately what we don't want to do is start building up these homes, raising the real estate prices and pricing people already in the neighborhood out. We want to build this in a way that the people that live there can get a piece of the pie. And I don't know if this is something that exists yet, but ultimately my dream is to say, we have this uh, investment mechanism where people within that zip code can contribute five, 10, $15 a month and get equity in a portfolio of homes that pays back uh, and might offset the increase in their property taxes um, to basically get everybody on the same page. They're incentivized to wanna see this development in their neighborhood as opposed to saying, oh, well, if you build that, it's going to price me out. It's going to make my property tax go up. Uh, so there's just so much more we can get into there. Yeah. But I know we're out of time, so I really appreciate no, you. Well, and there's no way in the world that I wouldn't have both of you back on uh, 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 because that's a, that's a way for us to have the follow-up as to how things are going. You two become our experts in the area. Okay, Rick, boy, come on. Well, no, so that idea of demand is what really gets me going, right? So so it's great if you you create these skills and you have the ability to create the homes, but who's going to buy them? So that's why in our, our, um, our core ecosystems is what we're calling it. We want to seed companies in each of those sectors. So uh, we have a tire recycling uh, to jet fuel recycling plant, and it could hire between 50 and 100 people. And Delta Airlines has said they'll buy as much of it as we can create. But if we set it up as a public benefit corporation, we have 100 people now in Kansas City near Karan's uh, housing. Now those people have jobs that are uh, uh, above market wages, and they're also being compensated in profit shares with social impact investment accounts. So not only can they now afford to buy a home, they, can, they, are, they are incented to be an investor in another home owned on this public benefit corp platform, which Dr. Talley, we're gonna to to talk about that. So, um, so if, but we have to stop thinking in silos, which means this business, everybody thinks about a business, so you, okay, it's a construction business. No, every business is a workforce development business. And every business, the best place to learn to work is on a job, and the best place to learn to run a business is in a business. So they should all be doing workforce development, and they should also be doing entrepreneurial development. <coughs> and um, by putting them into an ecosystem that sort of breaks the cycle of intergenerational poverty, that supports changes in the in the public school, in um, family advocacy, in providing college scholarship for the kids that are ready, and career guidance for those who who aren't going to go the college path. We start to create an ecosystem where we break that cycle and we take kids from school and we build them right into our businesses and our workforce development. So it's not this siloed nonsense that has not worked for the last 60 years. So I'm just thinking about it from a bigger, bigger perspective. But I mean, the question I would ask, and maybe it's not for this show, but Dr. Tally and Karan, if you had a couple million dollars, what would you do with it? Well, I think I we have three that would be um, um, uh, gut rehabs to make energy efficient. Uh, we'll have three new homes uh, that we hope to buy these lots in 
by March or in March and start construction on. So the, my million dollars is already spent. That's what I'm asking for in terms of what we need. So you need a lot more than that. Well, well, yeah, it's it's it is several million dollars. So actually, but uh, we need people to help maintain the houses. We need uh, housing preservation workers. Like I said, we definitely need landscapers. Uh, we'll need all of that. Anything that you need in a house. Now, the other thing that we we have identified and we're working on is to develop a skills bank. We got a lot of retired people. Yes, have some skills. And yes. they're sitting around. Yep. And so we just haven't, like, who's going to be in charge of the skills bank? Then we've given that task to someone that hasn't picked it up. So in a minute, you know, we'll somebody will pick it up. But that's what we're looking at. Right. So nice. Yes. Hey, Karan, you're down to a minute. That's all I got for you. Yeah, Rich, to answer your question, um, very similar answer to Dr. Tally there. Uh, one or two million wouldn't get me very far, but I want to basically build up a portfolio of these type of high performance homes and put them into a trust uh, so they could become a revenue generating asset to finance the construction of more of these to basically create that seed uh, to grow it, you know, to give it an opportunity for perpetual growth so we can keep the wheel turning and bring in more workforce development, build out the supply chain and create that ecosystem that you're talking about. This is, you know, I, I'm, I'm be honest with you. I knew this was going to be that kind of show. That's why I could volunteer to sit back and listen. And I've done that a lot. I got to give you credit. You've never heard me before. You don't know how much I usually run my mouth. Luckily, I got these last couple of minutes so I can run my mouth. This has been fantastic. Uh, uh, Pamela, uh, you know, uh, black, oh, God, female, oh, God. You know, to, do you hear people talking about it? But you're actually doing it. You're the real deal. Karan, one of my philosophical points of view is to figure out a way to reach the 24 to 40-year-old college graduate who has become disenfranchised in America. They can't even get a job in what they went to college for. I mean, they, they have given up. They are taking night jobs at McDonald's and then using all day long trying to create a business. We, I, luckily I have the mayor of Roland Park who said he would work with us and create a business course for them because they didn't take business. They took courses they can't get a job in. And you being who you are would be their idyllic role model. I, I love it, man. I ain't letting you go nowhere. If you try to leave, if you don't bring your butt back to North Carolina, I'm going to send the troops down there to get you. You know, I'm sorry. That's just the way I am. Rick, I got this one minute left. I love you, man. You bring to what we're trying to do the, the capitalistic point of view that shows that it's doable. What we have just sat here and done shows that it is doable. And that lets other folks out there who have a chance or will have a chance to hear this presentation that we just had say, I can do that too. I thank you all. Have a good evening. I talk right to the point of a finger going across the neck. Love you all. We'll Thanks talk to you later. Me. Take care. Thanks a lot. Great meeting you all. Thank you. Support for KKFI by the Midwest Trust Center at Johnson County Community College. The Midwest Trust Center at Johnson County Community College, formerly the Carlson Center, has been a venue for the performing arts and arts education since 1990 and, in support of KKFI, offers a full list of events and can accept donations at jccc.edu forward slash Midwest Trust Center.
on Friday, January 27th at 9.30. Understanding Israel-Palestine airs another episode in its series, The Nagba Project. Listen as Palestinian refugees in Lebanon explain why they abruptly left their homes in 1948 in response to the growing theft from Zionist militia. That's Understanding Israel-Palestine at 9.30 Friday, January 27th. My name is Darnell. At the end of our hour, here's some environmental news for the week of January 23rd, 2023. Democracy Now! reports, Colombia's government has pledged it will no longer award new contracts to drill for oil and gas as President Gustavo Petro seeks to fulfill a campaign promise to transition Colombia away from fossil fuels. New research finds human activity has caused temperatures in Greenland to rise far beyond levels seen in the 20th century. The study of ice cores found the first decade of the 21st century was the warmest for Greenland's ice sheets in a thousand years. The study in the journal Nature found that without immediate action to stop global heating, Greenland's melting glaciers will raise sea levels by 20 inches by the end of the century. Meteorologists forecast global heating will accelerate in 2024. Inside Climate News reports, the plastic industry's quest to solve the problem of plastic waste through so-called advanced recycling, which uses chemical additives and sometimes extremely high heat turned waste back into new plastic, is costly and comes with significant environmental impacts, according to new research from the federal government's National Renewable Energy Lab in Colorado. EcoWatch reports, lawmakers in Washington, D.C. are proposing an electric bike rebate for local residents. The bill would offer up to $1,200 or 75% of the cost of an e-bike to make this mode of transit more affordable. Americans are well known for their evenly clipped bright green lawns, but rather than being beneficial, these manicured green spaces are actually detrimental to the environment. Princeton University has reported that in the U.S., more than 40 million acres of land is covered in some form of lawn. These lawns have the ability to act as carbon sinks that absorb carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, but the substantial carbon costs of lawn maintenance often counteracts the benefits, making lawns climate change contributors. Space Waste Quick Key Facts There have been more than 570 events where spacecraft fragmented in Earth's orbit after an explosion or collision. Space waste has increased by 50% in the last five years. Detectable space debris weighs over 8,000 metric tons. There are more than 23,000 objects larger than a softball in Earth's orbit. Protecting satellites from collisions with space junk makes up about 5 to 10 percent or more of the total mission costs, now well in the millions per satellite. Kansas Reflector reports. U.S. House Republicans included in the new rules they passed in January 2023, a provision meant to make it easier for Congress to give away public lands. It requires that any time Congress gives any federal lands to a state, municipality, or tribe, it would not be counted as a loss to the federal budget. House Republicans had an identical rule when they controlled the chamber from 2017 to 2019. Advocates and critics agree the measure would be helpful to any effort by the House to transfer federal lands to states, but they disagree about the wisdom of such giveaways. Environmental groups see federal divestment as a step toward restricting access to places to which all Americans should have a claim. 
Republican state policymakers' efforts to boost fossil fuel by prohibiting their governments from doing business with companies that take sustainability into consideration has the potential to cost states millions. In more than a dozen states, state legislatures have either passed or have pending bills based on a piece of model legislation developed by the American Legislative Exchange Council, known as the Energy Discrimination Elimination Act. These bills would essentially pull state funds from investment managers if they are deemed by government officials to be adverse to the oil and gas industry. The Guardian reports the killing of Manuel Esteban Piaz Teron, who opposed an Atlanta, Georgia police training facility and defended the urban forest, which it will destroy, is unprecedented in the history of environmental activism. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. Please tune in next week or listen to our podcast. Thank you for listening to Eco Radio KC on KKFI 90.1 FM, Kansas City Community Radio. Eco Radio is brought to you each week by a team of collaborators, including me, Craig Lugo, Terry Wilking, Brent Rysdale, Bob Grove, and Dave Mitchell. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests and not of KKFI and or the Midcoast Media Project. You can find our calendar and a podcast of each show on Eco Radio KC's Facebook page, as well as on our show page at kkfi.org. This is Richard Mabian, and you can send inquiries and comments to our email at kkfi.org forward slash contact or message us on our Facebook page. Up next is Fiesta Musicale, followed by Noche Magica. Our outro music is Big Yellow Taxi by Joni Mitchell. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? Ooh.